Do you think sales is a bad word? When you hear the word sales, I wonder what images come to mind. Whatever your relationship is with selling, I'm glad you're here. Let's have a conversation about how to sell like a good human. Hi, welcome to Conversations with Good Humans. I'm your host, Katherine Brown, and I'm author of the book called How Good Humans Sell. Today on Conversations with Good Humans, I'm talking with Elaine Acker, CEO of Sparks 360, a marketing company in Austin, Texas. Elaine is a story brand guide. This means that she has copywriting training in the story brand methodology. And I have worked with Elaine personally and admired her for some time now. So it was my pleasure to invite her to speak with a group sales training program that I run. This recording was part of a larger sales coaching discussion, and I chose this edited version for the podcast because I like how Elaine has email marketing recommendations and encouragement for everyone, even if you haven't started collecting addresses yet. I can't wait to hear what you think. So on the subject of email marketing, the first question I want to address is, do people still use email and does this matter? Because if you're on LinkedIn very long, there's plenty of pundits that say, this is so passe, email funnels don't work, and why are we bothering with email addresses? I'm going to give you an example why I think this is important. In the last five days, I just had this happen. My friend Mark builds a lot on Instagram. He he has really doubled down on building out his list there. He sells through there. He has a very formulated link tree, and he is using that as an entrepreneur selling B2B on IG. Okay. He was hacked. He went through all the channels with Facebook who owns Instagram to try to get support and help from that. Guess what? Didn't get good help. Ended up having to close that channel and start a new one. And he lost all of his contacts. So he messaged saying, I've been hacked. It looks like me. The hacker's doing some mean stuff. Um, here's the name of my new channel. Please go follow me. You know, and he, <laughs> because we're friends, there were some expletives, you know, that were mixed into that. Cause it was so frustrating, both that this happened as well as that he didn't feel like he got good support about that. I said, I hate that someone did that to you. I'm so sorry. I'll go follow you. And he's, you know, trying to be positive about this people. You know, that I love LinkedIn. Most of you follow me on there. I do a post every day. I'm very passionate about the benefits of social media. I am not more passionate about that than I am my email marketing list because names with phone numbers and email addresses are something you can own. Elaine, thanks so much for being our guest here to talk about email marketing and the different kinds of email marketing, because I think there's a lot of confusion around that topic. So one of the things you and I have talked about as we've gotten to know each other is I know that you have lots of marketing skills and you have chosen this year to make email marketing and and to generate email marketing clients a goal of your business. When you think about all the different kinds of ways a person can generate leads, why have you chosen to focus on that? I'm actually encouraging people to put that in that number one slot of things that they're working with for um for the biggest reason is just that you own it, like we've talked about. So, so that is the biggest reason that I think I think it's worth spending time on. Uh, the thing that made me really develop this strategy further is that for the last three years or so, since December of 2018, uh, when I became a certified story brand guide, 
I started walking people through the messaging process. And I felt like we did a fabulous job on their brand scripts, that we worked on their narratives. We knew exactly what to say about their business. In most cases, we went ahead and updated the copy on their website. And then everything stopped. So that's what I was observing was that there was so much money left on the table, basically, that they they did all of this work. They had wonderful things to say, and they were not leveraging the power of email. And I could go on and on about the reasons why it works, uh, but that is the biggest reason that I started seriously focusing on it was because I felt like there was so much missed opportunity in that space. Elaine, I think you might be getting to this later, but I want us to be sure to give an example of how when people have gone back to their customer list, you have some numbers to share about the kind of sales people have made just by rekindling some of those relationships via email. Because even though they had a great website, people weren't just continuing to go there on their own. They kind of needed to be reached out to in some form and driving that. So I want to make sure we touch on that um, at some point as well. Yeah, we can do it now if you want. Just okay, sure. In in the case of leaving money on the table, um, there is a outdoor company that sells a tent product. They've been my client for the last two and a half years or so. And they had not implemented email marketing. At the end of the year last year around the holidays, they finally said, look, we're we're sitting here, we've got we've got a fair amount of inventory now. We're not getting a lot of calls. It is winter. And what are we going to do? So they went ahead and sent out their email and they sold as many tents in the holiday period as they normally sell in a summer month. So the sales were almost the same. And I loved it because they they had been reluctant to do consistent email marketing. And I can say, we're now working together on a consistent email marketing plan. They they re-upped to become a client for that because they saw how incredibly important it was going to be to their sales. That's so cool. That's really cool. Now, I know that the people listening to us all receive a lot of email marketing, and they probably have these different buckets and categories of how they think about it being used. And so one of the things I know is that you have three ways that you think about emails in clumps. I'll call them clumps. Um, We've talked before about how there's this, what you call the sales funnel. There are nurturing emails, and then there are actually specific campaigns. So um, I know you're going to teach on that a little bit more in a minute. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Just kind of tee that up, because I think we'll end up wanting to camp out there a while. Um, No, I think, I think as we dig into it, we'll get we'll get more perspective and how to use each one. And I think I'll be able to use you as an example for some of these because we're all familiar with your emails and kind of that pace and cadence. What I would, I guess, encourage everybody to do is to just real quickly think about the top two or three emails that you get frequently. Think about who they're from, whether you open them, why you open them. And then we'll dig into that a little bit further. Great. That's a great idea. I'll be thinking about that too. Cause like I said, I'm on lots of people's lists. Okay, great. So, um, so then I think also one of the things that feels kind of overwhelming, I know I get asked this about LinkedIn because I'm very active on LinkedIn is like, how do you decide what to post? So thinking through 
um, the, the architecture of an email. Um, anything, anything you want to mention about that as we're, as we're diving in? And then I, I know we, I, we have some resources we're going to share with people in a second. Yeah, I think the most important thing is not to leave yourself staring at a blank screen. Spend a little bit of time developing some content ideas ahead of time so that you have a resource, a library that you can turn to. This is one that we did for the Cookbook Creative. And if you look at this spreadsheet, it's just a Google Doc. So this is, as, I know it looks colorful and complicated. It's not. This is as simple as, as it gets. And I'm happy to share this at some point if you like. Um, but I go through the year and I put all the dates that are relevant to me on the top. And then I start to make notes about any campaigns that I am working on coming up. I also go down the left side and I list any of my marketing tools that I know I'm going to use. This is just my big picture. And um, I, I need one place where I can look and see what's going on and see if I've left any gaps. But here's what I wanted you to see is that I didn't wait till the day I needed to post something to go in and come up with all kinds of ideas. So I went in here and I said, okay, I know I don't want to sell to people all the time. I can't send them a sales email every week. What can I talk about that brings value to them? And so I went through the things that seem most related to what I want to say, our perspective on cooking. And so I scroll over here and I've got recipes and memories, food experiences, holiday tips, that I talk about family cookbooks and some of the how-to. We can talk about famous cookbooks. We can do chef interviews and an article, um, how to get organized. So all of a sudden, this list gets pretty long. Here's another quick example um, over here on my own on Sparks 360 Marketing, where I do email marketing for people. I said, what can I do for people that's worth it? Well, I can share an asset. I can send something out. And sometimes you hear that um, as a lead generator. And you may even think of the email marketing piece that you're going to have later as a lead generator. But really, you're sharing a valuable resource. So I try to share the asset. I might recommend a tool that I've come across. Um, issue a challenge, which that can be a call to action. But it's really, that's a call to their action. So for example, I did one uh, recently on, in fact, was it today or yesterday? I did one on a challenge to come up with several different subject lines to treat subject lines as though they were headlines and come up with say 10, even 15 before you settle on the right one. Because that subject line is the way you're going to hook people and bring them in, get them to open the email and engage with you. So I think that's really important. So that was one of my challenges. Um, tips, books, marketing, things like that. So that's just a quick overview, but that's what keeps me from sitting at the computer going, oh my gosh, I said I was going to post three times and I didn't do it. So what do I do next? Um, so that's that part, Catherine. I think just having a resource that you have created so you know what to talk about and when uh, puts you way ahead of the game. That's awesome, Elaine. One of the things that Elaine and I did is we talked ahead of time about this because I said, Elaine, my experience as, so I would call myself a business owner, then a sales professional, and then a marketer. I feel like 
I'm a decent marketer because <laughs> I've had training and I've practiced a lot on the job training, but I think like a salesperson. So I said, like, when we talk about sales funnels, that word means different things to different people, depending on their sales background, because that is a word that's used different ways. So we just agreed that it would be useful for the purpose of this community and for the class that we talk about how we're defining these different types of emails. So Elaine and I agreed to some common language on that. And we said there's three kinds of sequences that she advises people to do. What we're calling a sales funnel, what we call a nurturing sequence, and what we call a campaign sequence. So Elaine, I've got a couple definitions under each of these, but I'm going to just allow you to talk to this and explain so that people are thinking about that example that you have them draw up about people they follow and they can characterize where this might fall, right? Right. So when I think of a, a sales funnel, a classic sales funnel would be where you give someone a chance to opt in, to give you permission to contact them, to raise their hand and say, yeah, let's get in touch and see if we have something that we can work on together. So that's the point at which, for me, there's a trigger that says, if they have raised their hand in a traditional sales funnel and connected with me, then I want to get in touch immediately because chances are they're very close to a decision at that point. So I'm going to think of, say, five to six pretty quick emails that I want to send out. And I may do the first one is just here's the resource you asked for. And sometimes I do that proactively. Right. I just send the resource and say, I'd like to add you to my list. Can we keep in touch? So I send them the resource. I come right back and I might help them solve a problem because I want them to go, wow, this really was valuable. You know, she's given this away for free. This is this has solved a problem that I run into often. Then we want to overcome an objection. Think in advance about what one of the objections might be and just go ahead and write about that. So you can write about overcoming an objection. Um, you might provide a testimonial, do a little case study about what so, an experience someone else had working with you, that social proof piece. And then the last thing would be just straight up ask for the appointment. And that's the, the conversion, if you will, of that last email is ask for the appointment, get set up where you can take control of that sales conversation. So I think that's the classic sales funnel approach. When you're doing nurturing, everybody that comes through my email sales funnel, they've gotten the sales, what I call a sales sequence, they're now going to go into my nurturing funnel. And so this is what you see a lot of when you get emails from Catherine. She's continuing to provide value. She's demonstrating her expertise. She's expressing empathy for what we're dealing with as salespeople and trying to make our experience as salespeople better. And so that's what nurturing is about. Now, you'll also notice that sometimes, and this gets right into the next one, there is a campaign. So if she's offering um, a class that's only going to go on two or three times a year, there's probably going to be a special sequence just for that campaign. And it may look a little bit like that initial sales funnel, but it's really for a short period of time and a specific purpose. 
another one for me might be in the cookbook creative. I might do something for Mother's Day. So it might be seasonal. And I'm really tailoring my message to people around that campaign. But it's a short period of time. Nurturing can go on for the rest of your life. And it can be once a month, twice a month, once a week. I, I don't typically schedule uh, emails for more than once a week unless there's a really good reason, like it's the sales sequence or it's a special promotion type of thing. Just think about some of the people in your in your inbox and how you respond to those. Um, what's also interesting is I used the analogy with Elaine of a river and tributaries. And I said, you know, like, I also think what happens is sometimes people opt into a class that they heard about on LinkedIn, they get stuff related to the class and then I invite them to join my email list. So they were in something specific and then they dump into the nurture or they download something from the website. They get two or three emails that come related to that. I think our, I think our sales funnel email sequence with the download is, is fewer than five examples, which I know you do a lot of times. Like I think it's three, but you know, you get a few things and then you get dumped into nurturing. And so like they all, they can overlap like this, right? They're not, you don't have to do all of them, but you can also, you can also just start. You can say, Hey, I'm going to start giving away stuff regularly. You can begin nurturing at some pace. And then when you have a special event or a launch, then you might have a campaign around that. So these can be done independently and they can be done together. I guess I would say, Elaine, if you had to start in one place because you were doing nothing right now because you felt overwhelmed or unsure where to start, what would you advise? Uh, I would say make a plan. So first of all, get something like the spreadsheet put together so that you have a sense of your big picture and where this fits in your goals. So I would say make a plan. It doesn't have to be complex, okay? Um, And then start. And all you have to just think about it. If you're going to do one email a month for the next year, you only have to have 12 ideas. So go ahead and write down your resource list. And I can almost guarantee you that when you start brainstorming that, you're going to think of a ton more ideas and jot those down while you're going. Um, So I would make the plan and then I would follow through because to Catherine's point, you don't want to get to the time where you want to make a special promotion and they haven't heard from you in three months. That's not good because they're going to be thinking, wait, how did I know this person? And you don't want them to forget about you. Um, One other quick point I want to make while I'm thinking about it before I forget is that if people unsubscribe from you, that's okay. They're not not yours. Um, So don't get worked up about people unsubscribing. Um, The people who leave you on their list, just like seeing Catherine's emails come through. And if I don't get to all of them, that's okay. I'm not unsubscribing because I want Catherine's emails. And that's what you want, because even if all they do is see you land in their inbox, that's a good thing. So -hmm. if they haven't unsubscribed, you're in good shape. And I would add to that, Elaine, and say, especially if you are findable easily in other places. So because I hate unsubscribing to people, because I know that when you watch that closely, it, <laughs> you tell yourself it shouldn't hurt your feelings, but it sort of hurts your feelings. If I really know and like the person, I'll write them and say, hey, I, I unsubscribed. But it's because we talk all the time on LinkedIn. So I'm following you over there, right? Like it, I think also you can, some people are kind of duplicating and triplicating 
their lists, because of course my LinkedIn followers don't perfectly match my email list. So I'm doing both. But in some cases, I already know they're they're following me on both. So I think it also like um that that there can be a whole host of things it can mean. And we just want to be careful just like everything else in sales that we don't, you know, make something, call something ghosting when it's not that or decide our feelings are hurt when you know the person can have all kinds of reasons for what they're doing. Elaine, thank you so much. Here's what I want you to take from today. If you are not doing any email marketing, start collecting email addresses tomorrow. Use a spreadsheet if you don't have a CRM or make a CRM. If you email occasionally, but not regularly, look at what a nurturing sequence would look like for you and develop it. I don't care if it's monthly. Get started, pick 12 topics per Elaine's earlier subject. Look at your calendar. Can you use a campaign sequence for an upcoming event or a new launch? Maybe there's something you're doing and you want to practice. Still confused, hire Elaine. (laughs) Okay, she would love to help you. She does a discovery call. Thank you. She did this as a favor to us and um, she is growing her email marketing clients and we love to have you reach out to her. And I have used her, as you all know, she project managed and oversaw all the copy we did for my book launch. I'm so glad you joined us today. If you would like me to come and speak with your organization about how to sell like a good human, please contact me through the website, howgoodhumanssell.com. Thanks and talk with you again.